Good morning, good morning. What a dream it is to be back. Thanks for having us. Belinda and I have been looking forward to this. Uh, I get to be the hype guy for Belinda this morning. She's going to be doing most of the speaking. It's important to have a good hype guy. Some people think, Matt, if you're preaching a decent biblical sermon, you don't need a hype guy. But actually, this is my theory. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. And Jesus had a hype guy, right? In fact, he had Siri. had John the Baptist was his hype guy. And then, uh, in fact, before he was even born, I think God put some hype guys in place. He had some angel, hype angels and some, he had a hype shepherds, hype wise men. He even arranged a star, which is pretty next level hype guy. Imagine having a star for a hype guy. That's pretty impressive, right? That's like son of God level hype guy. Uh, so, I ha- sorry, honey, I haven't arranged a star for you or angels or or even really a wise man. But I'm here and I'm um, going to hype you up. Uh, well, them up anyway. So this morning we are talking about assertiveness and it is such a wildly important topic. You think, why are we talking about this? Why is, this, is, this is a life skill, it's a social skill. Why in a church would we talk about this? And I, I want to contest, and Belinda will do a better job than me, that you can't do Christianity well without assertiveness. How are you going to do evangelism without doing assertiveness? How are you going to do the prophetic without being bold, without being assertive? How are you going to do deliverance and healing without assertiveness? I don't think you can. The Bible says we're supposed to let our yes be yes and our no be yes because you're a Christian. Is that what it says? No. It says that your yes be yes and your no be no. And that's what assertiveness is, people. And we need to grow in our assertiveness skills. Now, I, I suspect that in this country, we think we're good at assertiveness like we think we're good at barbecues. About 10 years ago, Blinder and I had a friend in America. He was really struggling in his life, and we invited him to come and live with us in Nelson. And when he got there, he lived for a few months, and the church we were going to up in Nelson at the time were having a barbecue. Every Sunday after church, we went to a different person's house for a barbecue. It was wonderful, just, just for the summer. And so he came along, and every week, he's from Texas, every week, people would say, oh, where are you from? Welcome to church. Welcome to New Zealand. Where are you from? Oh, I'm from Texas. Oh, wow, you must be impressed with this Kiwi Barbie. And every week he was polite. Every week he said, um, he just kind of dodged the question. Fourth weekend, someone said, oh, welcome to New Zealand. Oh, you must be enjoying a great Kiwi Barbie. And he just snapped. He couldn't keep up the, the game any longer. And he said, you know what? Your barbecues suck. They're horrible. Why are you so proud of your Kiwi barbecues? And of course, the whole church barbecue, the, the, the lunch just came to a grinding halt. Like, and someone eventually said, well, what's so good about your barbecues? And he started to talk about what a Texan barbecue looks like. And we all started drooling. We spent days making sauces, you know, and using smoking things and wood-fired such and suches and... We throw a pack of scissors on a, in the microwave and think we've had a barbie, you know. It's <laughs> embarrassing. So no, we don't know how to barbie. South Africans, they know how to barbie. Brazilians, they know how to barbie. 
Even the Mongolians know how to barbie. We don't know how to barbie. And in the same way, we might think we're good at assertiveness, but we're really, really not. I mean, sometimes, some people have found that sweet spot between being kind and being upfront, but very few people have. And that's why we wanted to do this series, and that's why we're so glad that you're joining us for it. And Belinda, Belinda and I have been married now for over 12 years. How long have we been married? 24, that's right, 24 years. And so she's going to come on up. She owns many beautiful dresses. That's one of the things I appreciate about Belinda. Every time I do something wrong and I'm in trouble, I say, well, am I off the hook if you can buy another dress? And she says yes. So she owns nearly 100 dresses now. Uh, So come on up, honey, and welcome these people. I never quite know how I'm going to be introduced by my husband. That was the new one. Oh, assertiveness. We are talking about assertiveness this morning. And actually, before I begin, I just I want to reassure you that I am, in fact, Belinda Stott. I know my hair looks somewhat different to the videos you've been watching. <laughs> I, uh, on the videos, how many of you have been watching the videos, the Soul Talk videos? Okay, some of you have no idea why I'm talking about my hair. But for those of you that have, have watched it, I reassure you I'm the same person. For those of you that haven't, I have black hair on the videos. I decided to go more natural, so I'm unnaturally natural at the moment. So there you go. Anyway, uh, as I've been praying about this talk this week, I've been sort of thinking, this is just like a life skill that I'm going to talk about. It doesn't feel very churchy. It doesn't feel very, I don't know, exciting to talk about. Uh, But this is something God said to me as I started to pray about it. He said to me, you know, there are a lot of people that are stuck. There are people at home watching the video, uh, the stream right now, and welcome to you. And there are people in the congregation that are stuck, stuck in career stuff and workplace situations that you can't seem to fix. There are people that are stuck relationally in romantic relationships, the friendships, the family relationships that just don't know how to move forward, how to get breakthrough. And so what God said to me was that this talk is to bring hope to those people. That as I share this stuff on assertiveness, which is a life skill, valuable life skill, that actually for a lot of you, what this can do is it can get you unstuck. So I encourage you to listen up for the the tips and insights that can do that, because I'm going to just share a whole ton of stuff with you this morning. Does that sound all right? Okay, that's good, because I was just going to do it anyway, even if it didn't sound all right. So, (laughs) oh yeah, that's good assertiveness, isn't it? There you go. You know, uh, I do write novels. I speak at events. Matt and I run a course for young adults called Soul Tour. Uh, I also counsel. I've been counseling for about 14 years now, primarily young adults. Occasionally I get different ages, but mostly young adults. And I certainly find that there is a range of issues people will come to talk about. Depression, anxiety, they're very, very common, obviously. Uh, Grief, burnout, addictions, Relational issues, workplace issues, you know, career issues, theology issues, sexual issues. I get all sorts, a wide range of stuff, and I quite like that. My favourite actually are the cult issues, people coming out of cults. So if anyone here is in that boat, come and see me because you'll be my favourite client. It's not a joke. It's true. Uh, that's why I wrote a cult series. You've all gone very quiet. You're worried, you're worried about me now, aren't you? You're like, who is this person that's speaking to us? <laughs> However... Sorry, to get back to the topic, I also get a lot of people coming to talk about assertiveness because assertiveness creates so many issues for people or a lack of assertiveness, I should say. 
You know, if you can't be assertive, to some degree your life isn't really your own because you'll say yes to things you don't want to say yes to because you don't know how to say no to them. And you won't be able to express or ask for the things you want or state what you want. And a lot of my clients will come to see me and they are stuck in relational issues or they're stuck in issues in their workplace and they've just swept them under the rug because they don't know how to address them. And a lot of my clients spend a lot, of, a lot more time stuck and confused and frustrated and angry than they need to, which is hardly the abundant life that we are called to have, right? In fact, it never ceases to amaze me how many people I meet who think that to be a good Christian, you have to be a doormat. And so over the years, I've had dozens of clients come because they, are, they have really difficult bosses or managers, and those managers and their bosses are treating them really badly expecting them to do way more than their job, pres- job description entails, and yet they don't know how to do anything about it. Like the client I just had recently in a country overseas, her workplace has lost 80% of their staff because they won't get vaccinated. And so my client has been working 12 to 14 hour days, seven days a week for several months now. Now, as you can imagine, she is exhausted but she has had no assertiveness skills, so she hasn't done anything about it. She's just kept on saying yes to every shift and working every shift and getting more and more tired. And of course, when that happens, resentment builds, doesn't it? And then when resentment gets big enough, the anger starts to spill out. Now, I'm sure you all know that resentment is not one of the fruits of the Spirit, so I think if we want to be free of resentment, then we've got to learn how to be good at assertiveness. So that's one extreme, and I find a lot of people fall into that category in our country. The other extreme, of course, are the people that use assertiveness like a weapon. They wield it like a weapon, and so they damage relationships because they express their opinions and their fears and their problems in overbearing and aggressive ways. And people look at them and think, if that's what assertiveness looks like, I do not want to be like that. So problems on both sides... I think the first time I ever saw how much a lack of assertiveness could destroy a relationship, I was a brand new Christian, sorry, I was a brand new counsellor many years ago now, and I had this couple come to see me because he had said to his wife, out of the blue, I want a divorce, and she was really shocked. She did not see that coming. So they came to counselling. She said to him, I will do whatever it takes to fix the marriage. I'll get counselling. I'll change. I'll work on anything. So they came to counselling. Within about 20 minutes, I started thinking, he's going to leave her. It doesn't matter what we do in this session or any future sessions, he's already decided to leave her. He's done. And sure enough, I I did my best. I worked my hardest with them. But a couple of months later, they stopped coming. And then a few months after that, he left her and their two small children as well. And it was a real tragedy. But you see, the thing is, when I think back to that that couple, I pin the blame for that divorce on him. I'd say 80 to 90% on him. He, she was a difficult woman, no doubt about it. She would be very hard to be married to. However, <laughs> over two years, he got more and more frustrated with her and he'd said nothing to her because he had no assertiveness skills. So his resentment and his anger had built and she didn't know anything about it. And when he finally said, I'm done, give me a divorce, she said, I'll do anything. He never gave her a chance. 
So assertiveness, it causes so many issues. We had a relative come to stay with us for a few weeks some years ago, and at the same time, we had a band come and stay. And the singer in the band, great guy, he just had zero awareness of when it was and wasn't appropriate to sing. <laughs> and so we would just hear him around the house at random hours of the day and night, bursting into song, kind of entertaining for us. However, one morning we got up, and our relative got up, and she said to us, that that guy, he stood outside my room at two in the morning and he started singing and woke me up. I'm going to go sleep in my car if it happens again. What do you think? It's tempting to put the blame for this onto the singer, isn't it? But he was completely oblivious, like just not an aware guy. I actually think the ball was in our relative's court to do something about that. And there's a, in Luke, hang on, let me find it, Luke 17, verse 3, and Matthew 18, it's going to come up on the screen for you. It says, if your brother offends you, go to him and show him his fault. If your brother offends you, go to him and show him his fault. Assertiveness, right? So it's a super important skill, and the good news is it is a skill that can be learned, and I'm going to give you some tips and tools and ideas for how to learn it, but most people just never get round to it. And I think there are three reasons for that. The first one would definitely be ignorance. I'd love a show of hands. How many of you were sat down by a parent or a teacher and taught how assertiveness works? How many of you were sat down and given a really good lesson? Can you give me a show of hands if you were? Okay, that's literally no hands. That is literally zero hands in the air. I was expecting at least one or two. Kind of scary, right? So if you haven't been taught how to be assertive, how are you going to be assertive? (laughs) So I think that ignorance is a really major one. The second reason is a lot of people are afraid of the response they will get if they are assertive. If you are afraid of conflict, you can't stand that, you do everything you can to avoid it, you're probably not going to be assertive in case it creates conflict. If you're afraid of getting rejected, you may choose not to be assertive because what if they reject me? What if it ruins our friendship or our relationship if I speak up? If you are afraid of feeling mean or unkind to somebody, which a lot of people are, then you may not speak up because you might think, what if I upset them? What if my words upset them? So these things can keep us silent. And what people end up doing is a lot of second guessing. So second guessing is when you are anticipating how someone will respond to you and then you edit or you alter or you avoid the truth to protect yourself from that reaction. So you think, man, I need to address this situation with my workmate. And then you start imagining how they might respond. And then usually what people do is they think, they either think, okay, I just, I'm not going to say anything. It'll cause too many problems. Or they just soften it so much that the workmate doesn't even know they're in trouble. (laughs) So that's the second reason. Now, the third reason, and I think this is very, very common, is that a lot of people have associated assertiveness with quite negative things. How many of you are in life groups at the moment during the Soul Talk series? So for you guys, when you do assertiveness this week, you're going to get a chance to talk about what you have associated assertiveness with. It's actually, there's a name for this when you misassociate two things together. You link together two things that shouldn't be linked together. It's called a weld. A weld is a misassociation of ideas. So, for example, a lot of people connect together or weld together correction and rejection. So whenever they get in trouble, whenever they get corrected, they feel like they're being rejected by the person, which makes them react. 
So there are a lot of really common words for assertiveness. So some of the ones that I've heard over the years, assertiveness is controlling, assertiveness is manipulative, assertiveness is rude, assertiveness is being bossy, assertiveness is unchristian, assertiveness is arrogant, which I think is why we're so mean to Americans. Have you noticed that? Because Americans, are, I think Americans are quite assertive and quite good at speaking up, but because we, a lot of Kiwis, have welded together assertiveness and arrogance, we go, because Americans are assertive, they're also arrogant. I remember saying that once at a course we run, and the American girl in the front row burst into tears and said, it's really horrible being American in New Zealand. As soon as people hear my accent, they think I'm arrogant. Yeah, it's pretty awful, isn't it? We say, look, this, we should be nice to the Americans. We should. We should. We should. Are there any American? Are you guys American? Yeah. Yeah. It's, but it, well, I did miss out on meeting you, so I guess that was my loss. Yeah. Yeah, I was quite, I'm feeling quite a pain in my heart over that. <laughs> Maybe we could be pen pals. <laughs> all right. Now, so they're all unhealthy worlds, right? I think this is the most accurate world that we should be forming for assertiveness. Here it is, coming up on the screen. Assertiveness is honesty. An assertive person is an honest person. They are straight up about what they do and don't want. They are able to express what they do and don't want, which is so important because you cannot have a good relationship with someone unless you can be honest with them. The relationship is not real if there is hidden stuff because you can't be honest. In fact, I choose my friends based on how honest they are. <laughs> I, ha I have a lot of very honest friends because then there are no undercurrents. I know that if they have an issue with me or they need something from me, they will just tell me. I don't have to guess. It's very relaxing. <laughs> and I also figure that if someone can say no to me, then I know that their yes is genuine and real. I know that I can trust them if they can say no to me. Thank you. Glad you guys are liking this. Thank you. It's good. <laughs> Ephesians 4 verse 15 says this. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Christ. Speaking the truth in love. I love that phrase, speaking the truth in love. This is part of becoming mature in Jesus, right? And here's another, another way to put it. My responsibility is to speak the truth in love. Their response to my honesty is their responsibility. You like that? Gideon likes that he's taking a photo. My responsibility is to speak the truth in love. Their response to my honesty is their responsibility. I am responsible before God for how I treat others, for what I say to them, for how I treat them, for doing it kindly, for doing it respectfully. But once I've done that, what they do with it is up to them. I cannot control your response. We can't control anyone else's response at all. Because the thing is, the way people respond to us has so many factors to it. What sort of day they're having. If they're hangry, because they haven't eaten, then they're going to be a bit grumpier, right? If you remind them of someone from their past that bullied them, or intimidated them, or was unkind to them, they're going to be more inclined to re react negatively to you. If they just found out that someone they love is dying of a terminal illness, all of these things, all of these factors contribute to how people respond to us. You know, at some point, we all have to learn this. This is like, I just think this is the most mind-blowing concept. Offense cannot be given, it can only be taken. 
Offense cannot be given, it can only be taken. Some people will choose to get offended at what you say, no matter how you say it, no matter how nicely you say it. And you, you can know that this is about them, not you, because you can say the same thing to two different people. One gets offended, one doesn't. What's the difference? The difference is in how they interpret it, right? It is interesting, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Matt was um, speaking at this young mum's group once, which was kind of an odd gig because he, well, he's first he's not a mum. In fact, we didn't actually have children at that point at all, so it was quite weird that he got this gig. But anyway, he was speaking at this young mum's group. And uh, these three, three young mums turned up late and they were quite agitated and quite upset. So in the coffee break, he went and had a chat to them and he said to them, hey guys, I noticed that you, you seem quite upset. Are you okay? And they said, well, on the way here, we passed this group of boys in the street and they pointed at us and they said, ho, ho, ho to us, as in calling us prostitutes. And Matt said, oh, oh that, sounds, that sounds horrible. Did you know the boys? And they said, nope, never seen them before. No idea who they are. He went, okay, so can I ask you a personal question? And they said, sure, sure. He said, are you prostitutes? <laughs> I love my husband. <laughs> they looked at him and said, no. He went, okay, let me get this straight. A group of boys who you don't know, who don't know you and don't know anything about you, and you'll probably never see again, in your life, called you something that isn't true, what's the problem? <laughs> and they all went, huh. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Right? People choose to get offended. You know, you could come up to me after the service. You could say to me, man, you preach so badly. I don't know why you're a preacher. You shouldn't be a preacher. <laughs> and I have a couple of choices as to how I handle that. I could either get offended or I could think, is there any truth in that? Like, did I do a bad job? What can I learn from that? How can I do a better job next time? You could come up to me after the service and you could say, I don't like when you're here. I don't like your dress. Although that would be a bit dumb because how cool is my dress? <laughs> but you could. <laughs> that You'd be lying. You would. Or deluded or blind or something. Um, <laughs> But you could come up to me and you could say something like that. And again, I could choose to get offended or I could choose to wonder why you're saying it. I could go, hmm, I wonder why they're saying that to me. I don't have to get offended. It is in my control. You know, I have not always been good at assertiveness. Like I have learned to be good at assertiveness. But growing up in my family, assertiveness was seen as rebelliousness um, or rudeness. And so whenever I would try to speak up about anything, whenever I would try to have a voice, I would get shut down by my parents. And it was very frustrating to me to not have a voice. And so I would get louder and more aggressive and try to get my point across and get nowhere. And everything would escalate. Now, one of the reasons this was so hard for me was that one of my top strengths, finest strengths, is command. And so I love to put the truth out there. I like to talk about the elephant in the room. It's one of my favorite things to do. And so it really suppressed that part of my personality. There's a lot of hilarity in this front row. <laughs> Are they picking on you, Gideon? <laughs> My fellow command. <laughs> and then when I left home and came actually down to Canterbury to do my uh, degree, my first degree, 
I found that I was constantly getting myself in trouble because I would get upset about things or have run-ins with people and I couldn't be assertive because I was so afraid of conflict because of what my upbringing had been like. I was just afraid of having the same kind of experience. So problems just didn't get resolved for me. They just got swept under the rug. I would talk to my friends about it, but I wouldn't talk to the actual people about it, which wasn't good. And then I married Matt, who is great at assertiveness. But early on in our marriage, 24 years ago, not 12, yep, 24, (laughs) uh, he would bring things up with me and I would overreact. I would get loud, I would get aggressive, I would get upset. It was very confusing for him because he was just trying to be honest with me. And so learning to be assertive, learning that skill made such a difference in our marriage because it meant that Matt could raise things with me and I would understand this is just honesty and I don't need to react to it. But also I learned that I could raise things with him and he would handle it and he wouldn't shut me down. And I think that's one of the really big keys with learning assertiveness that you start with easy people. Don't go from here and find the most difficult person in your life and try to be assertive with them because it probably will traumatize you. (laughs) Just start with really safe, really nice, really easy people. And actually, I think you guys are so blessed because you've got such a healthy leadership team that I want to suggest will probably handle your honesty really well. Uh, Probably the more Dutch they are, the better they'd handle it. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Get ends with me. But remember that we are speaking the truth in love. So we are balancing honesty with still being kind and respectful. So do, if you need to raise things and be honest with anyone in the church really, but I want to say this about your leaders, make sure that you're kind in how you do it, right? Speaking the truth in love. So here are some other tips for learning to be assertive. These are some of the other things I've learned over the years that have been really helpful. I'll go through them quite quickly. Uh, Firstly, if you're not used to being assertive, it can be good to plan what you're going to say in advance. That can calm you down and it can help you get clear about what you want to communicate. So you don't say things you regret later, but you do say everything that you need to say. Secondly, you've probably heard this before, but speak from your own perspective. So what that means is using a lot of I statements. I thought this, I felt this, when this happened, I interpreted it as this. The reason for that is as soon as you use you statements, you did that, you made me feel this, this is your fault, it puts them on the defensive. It feels like an attack. And then people tend to shut down and you don't get anywhere. Uh, The third thing is stay respectful and stick to the point. So (laughs) it seems very obvious to say don't swear Don't yell, don't raise your voice, don't call them names, watch your body language. But when you're wound up, it's really hard to remember those things. But try to remember those things, because otherwise you just shut them down and they don't want to keep listening. And stick to the point, don't bring up everything someone's done wrong, just bring, because that's overwhelming, just stick to the main thing that you need to address right then. I think one really big mistake that a lot of my clients make is that they, um, they don't let the people they're being assertive with know what they want from them. I mean, generally, we all want to express our frustration. That's part of why we're doing it, right? But we generally also want something else too, like an apology or like silence after 11 (laughs) o'clock or that they would get counselling or that they would tell us how they're going to make sure they don't do it again, etc. So the person you're trying to be assertive with should know by the end of the conversation what it is that you want from them. Finally, I do want to say that, um, I'm I'm getting there. Finally, I want to say that if you're like me and assertiveness 
or honesty has been challenging in your past. When you have raised things with people, it has been traumatic as it was for me. I'm not quite ready yet. Oh, you're going to support me. Oh, that's so lovely. I appreciate that. It's great. I probably shouldn't have said finally. I mean, I'm probably, I'm finally on this point, and then I've got one more big point that will take a while. So, yeah, yeah. It's just my command, can't keep my mouth shut. Sometimes Matt sits in the front row going, stop talking, stop, stop. Too late. Uh, If you're like me and assertiveness has been traumatic in the past, when you're trying to, as a kid, as a teenager, as a young adult, if you've been traumatized when you've tried to be honest, then you may find that as you start to learn it, you will still have emotional reactions sometimes. There are still times when I'm assertive with someone or someone's assertive with me that I will feel quite overwhelmed emotionally. And I've learned to coach myself through that. I've learned to say, this is just an emotion. You can handle this. You can go away and process it afterwards, but right now it's just an emotion. You don't need to worry about it. And I want to say that's the same for people that are afraid of conflict, that are afraid of being rejected, that are afraid of feeling mean. Again, you may have to coach yourself through those emotions to handle them. Finally, (laughs) I want to say that it's always great to look to Scripture to be encouraged in these things. And I think there are fantastic examples of assertiveness all through Scripture. The Old Testament, for example, we constantly see the prophets being assertive. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but how often do the prophets speak up in situations where they could have been killed for it? I mean, some of the things they say to the rulers of Israel or the rulers of other nations or the people of Israel definitely could have got them killed, (laughs) but they did it anyway. So here's a couple of examples. Uh, Deborah appoints Barak to be the leader of the Lord's army, and then she says this to him. Because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. Go, Deborah. That's pretty darn honest and scary, isn't it? And then we've got Elijah confronting the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And then what does he say to the people? How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. Imagine if your leaders said that. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if social media is your God, follow that. (laughs) I see a sermon coming on. <laughs> and then we've got new t- plenty of New Testament examples too. I've just grabbed a few of them, but let's look at something that Paul said, because I think Paul was kick-ass at assertiveness. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that, but it's too late. <laughs> when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? Called him out for being a hypocrite. That's pretty hardcore, right? And then, of course, Jesus. I think Jesus was wonderfully assertive. I think one of the things was that he only did what he saw the Father do. You know, he says this. The Son only does what he sees the Father do. He followed the Father's agenda, which meant that there were lots of times he had to be assertive with his disciples who were trying to get him to go up to Jerusalem and take it back forcefully. And he said, no, I'm following my Father's agenda, not your agenda. So he expressed great assertiveness with them. And then he definitely was assertive with the religious leaders of the day. I'm sure you all know this passage. It's quoted often. 
Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. (laughs) Imagine being told that. You are full of the bones of the dead. (laughs) And then he was assertive with the people too, wasn't he? But kind, assertive and kind. I think we see that constantly. So here's a few scriptures. The woman caught in adultery, when he says to the religious leaders, whoever's without sin can throw the first stone, and they all go, oh, no, I, I have sin, and disappear, so nobody condemns her. He says, go, go forth and sin no more. Go now and leave your life of sin. The woman at the well, the Samaritan woman that he has the conversation with about drawing water, and I'll give you my water, which is living water. He also says this to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. (laughs) The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. (laughs) That's pretty darn confronting, right? And then Mary and Martha, you know, he's hanging out with his friends, Mary and Martha. Mary's doing all the work and she complains about it to Jesus. She says to him this, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But then the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her. I mean, what would most of us say? Oh, you're right, Martha. Sorry. Hey, Mary, do you mind just doing, uh, maybe I'll help too. I'll come help you as well. But Jesus went, no, while I'm here, this is actually the priority. So I hope that encourages you. You know, if we want to be like Jesus, I think we have to learn to be assertive. That is part of the character that he showed us. And remember that he came to earth to show us what the Father's like. Scripture is full of passages that tell us that if you want to understand Father God and the heart of the Father, then you look at Jesus. You look at the character and nature of Jesus because he reveals that. So what's your plan? We are really finishing now. You're all ready? Tuned and ready to go. Here's a few ideas. <laughs> uh, if you're not in a life group, get in a life group. This week is assertiveness, the assertiveness session. Um, you have missed a couple, trust and forgiveness, but you can backtrack and watch those. You know, we've only just released it, but I had someone email me after the first week, not from this church, from a different church, and they said, you know, we, we did trust in our life group session, and then this week when our couples came back, two of them said we went home and had really big conversations about trust and got some major breakthroughs in area where, areas where we needed to. So go back and look at that. If you've been needing to have a difficult conversation with a family member, a friend, a workmate, this could be the week. I've given you lots of ideas for how to do that, so this could be the week to have that conversation. And just get someone to support you afterwards, to talk it through, debrief with you. Remember that you want to start with easy people though, <laughs> and so maybe find some easy people around your life that you could practice honesty, assertiveness, honesty with. And lastly, I think we can always do with praying. You know, I think, I hope that what's happened as I've talked, that for some of you, hope has started to rise. That situations where you are stuck and you are not happy, that you can start to think, maybe there is a way to address this. Maybe I actually could do this. You know, in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, it says that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. I love that, a sound mind. Um, And so I'm going to invite Catherine, no, Gideon, 
Catherine, I'm going to invite Catherine up to actually just pray for you for assertiveness. Let's bow our heads and pray. As we see these uh, topics, we're so encouraged, Lord, that uh, as you teach us to trust wisely and to find forgiveness, Lord, it establishes us and creates such an amazing foundation for us to be able to uh, be assertive in a good and healthy way as we learn to trust you, as we learn to let go of, of things that have perhaps plagued us in the past. And Lord, I just pray for this congregation and for everybody watching uh, online as well, that we would just be able to stand in confidence, knowing that we are secure and safe in your care, knowing that you are the one that we can have the most confidence in. And in that way, Lord, that we can come to you and we can know your goodness. We can be assertive in the right ways.